Is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock. So ring that buzzer. It sounds like a lion roar. Roar. And open the door to join us for the 66th meeting of the Animal Fan Club. I'm Quack 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 again, Mike. And I'm a pernicious little pill bug, Meredith. We meet every week at our clubhouse that we like to call the Dalmatian Station. To talk about our favorite animals. What we lack in expertise, we make up for in unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow! So, saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Whoosh! Ba-da-boom! Hey, we made it back. Yeah, we sure did. Into the Dalmatian station. It's been a little bit, hasn't it? It's yeah. We've we've taken a little midwinter hibernation moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on outside the D station, but that's you know, it's good. Yeah. All good things. Yeah. That's yeah, of course. Um, Meredith, how's your uh, indeterminate length of time in animals been? <laughs> it's been all over the place. I've been mm. quote unquote sick as a dog as they say. I've been trying to get out and about so I'm like kind of feeling my like, I don't know, my emerging from hibernation in the spring energy. Sure. Kind of exploring the park again and the the animals are coming back in full force. I saw the heron at the pond the other day. He, I guess, is back nice. from his winter journeys. And this heron, man, was so metal. I have to tell you that he was... Okay, I was trying to film it, and I got bored because he was just taking so long. Like I thought he was going to like nab some fish. Mm. But, you know, they have to stand really still, as we learned in my presentation months ago. They stand really still, and then they kind of strike real fast mm. so it's like the second i turned off my camera videoing he strikes and grabs two freaking goldfish at the same time whoa like whips them out of the water and literally everyone was like clapping for him and cheering around the pond because everyone was like had stopped to watch him yeah <laughs> they're all like Woo! but it was like super metal and of course he like what chokes him back down into his gullet. Yeah. So yeah, spring is sprung at the pond. Spring sprung. The herons are out in full force. They're gulping down guppies. They, they are. Look out. Look out, goldfish. They're coming for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what has your animal energy been like, Mike? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, it's complicated. I feel like I may have left the kingdom animalia behind for a brief while and I'm just really into fungus, and I'm reading about fungus, and I'm learning about fungus, uh -oh. and I'm watching just so much internet content about the cultivation and propagation of fungus. And I bought these like spore kits with like lion's mane mushrooms and like <laughs> oyster mushrooms, and they're growing on my kitchen counter. And then I'm going to try and like propagate them. Wow. Yeah. And like make spore prints and then put them in grain jars and then like do the whole thing. So I've been watching a 
tremendous amount of internet content about mushrooms. I'm reading books about mushrooms and the mycelial network, you know, the wood wide web, this oh. network of <laughs> nutrients and information that's made up of fungus underneath our feet. The fungus among us. Yeah. So I'm really embracing my boreal nature, I guess you might say. Yeah. Um, that's very uh John Cage of you. Wasn't he like an, an amateur mushroom? Uh, an amateur mycologist, yes. Yeah, enthusiast. Yes. Yeah, he not the only one either. From like the Western classical music world. Well, sure, and I mean just in general, you know. Oh well I've <laughs> he's the only one ever. Yeah. It's just really interesting. It's like I'm I'm learning all these um I don't know. I'm learning all these fun words and the like logic of all of it is interesting. And apparently fungus is more like animals than it is like plants. And so I'm finding that curious. And Hmm. I read somewhere about like the mycelium being able to trap and kill nematodes. Like it'll just like lance through a nematode. So that's also interesting. Look out. (laughs) Yeah. Fungus versus nematode. Nematode zero. Fungus one. (laughs) Yeah. Battle Royale. So that's been my journey. I love it. And I, you know, I'm really quite uh, envious of your your current background on Zoom right now. <laughs> I, I've, you know, I'm really surprised it actually took us this long to start like peppering our Zoom backgrounds with fun animals because you've got a great snail, though I am worried you're in prime love dart launching position. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready to be hit by a love dart. I'm definitely prepared. I have my my eyes open. Is your heart open, more importantly? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, as is my epithelium <laughs> or whatever it's called. Well, if at any point you start to feel, you feel like a little sting and then you start feeling real like randy, we can pause if you need. Okay, noted. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well, do you want to just get into it? Yeah, let's kick it off with the old taxonomy cheer. Are you ready? Okay. Taxana you. Taxana we. Taxana who? Taxana me. Kingdom. Animalia, but I really just want to talk about fungus. Phylum. Arthropoda, hit me with your invertebrate. Class. Malacostraca, crabs, lobster, shrimp, and krill. Order. Decapoda, 10 feet. Family. Sasarmidae, a family of crabs. Some are terrestrial. Genus. Gosermara. They live and reproduce on land. Species. Denural. The vampire crab. It is very popular in the aquarium trade. Vampire crab. Yeah, Meredith. (laughs) Yeah. Naturally. We're talking about the vampire crab. Let's just do some quick tax facts here just to, you know, kind of knock them out of the way. Okay. So, you know, kingdom animalia, phylum, arthropoda. We know these... Uh, subphylum crustacea, so the crustaceans, and then the class of crustaceans is the Malcostraca, which is uh, 16 orders worth of crustaceans. We have like crabs, lobsters, crayfish, shrimp, krill, woodlife, etc. Order is Decapoda, there's crabs, crayfish, lobsters, prawn, and shrimp. Infraorder is Brachiura, which is the crabs. <laughs> the crabs. Then the family, Sesarmidae, uh, they're mainly terrestrial. Well, Sesarmidae, within this family, there are several terrestrial crabs, including ours, that do not need to return to the sea, that live and breed on land. 
okay. And then this genus, uh, Gosasarma, it's a genus of small freshwater or terrestrial crabs. They're typically less than like a half inch across the carapace. So they're very small. And then this Denarel, Denarly, I don't know. It's it's an aquarium supply company that it's named after because (laughs) they funded the research to discover the vampire crab. They also have a type of shrimp named after them. Kind of uh, sounds to, like, like catalog and breed the crab, you know. Somebody's name, like Denerl. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Denerly or something. It's Danish. So the vampire crab is pretty popular in the aquarium trade, and this is the point now where I talk about the other uh, obsession that has caught me, which is the hobby, as it's called in YouTube videos, which is like building aquariums and terrariums and things. Yes. And so I found these videos on YouTube of various people building various structures and I got inspired. And then I was like, well, what creature could I have limp there? And I came upon the vampire crab, which is this small terrestrial crab. So for this creature, you need what is called a paludarium, (laughs) which is a setup, like an animal enclosure, a vivarium, if you will, a vivarium, meaning that it holds life a terrarium would hold plants a vivarium would hold life a paludarium can either be a terrarium or a vivarium but it is divided between water and dry land so like a frog or an amphibian habitat would be a paludarium as would a vampire crab habitat because it does need like a sandy substrate but it is also terrestrial so it lives most of its life on land paludarium paludarium isn't that a great word So I've been working on this paludarium for a long time for these vampire crabs. And um, we just had a breakthrough. Okay. Uh, I've like completely rebuilt it like three times already, you know, because of course I bit off way more than I could chew. Wait, so you're actually building a paludarium for vampire crabs? like With the intention of purchasing vampire crabs. Yes. However, comma. Oh my gosh. Yes. However, comma there seems to have been a run on vampire crabs. And so there seems to be very low (laughs) stock available from traders, uh, purveyors of live vampire crabs. But you can, because they're so small, you can have like five to 10 in a relatively small tank. So this aquarium that I have that's 10 gallons could fit like five to 10 vampire crabs, allegedly. Although I'm going to speak with the company that I buy them from and be like, how many can I actually get? (laughs) How many is too many? How many is too many? (laughs) So that's been like a whole journey. And that's led me to like purchase. I'm purchasing moss from Etsy. Uh, I'm researching how to make an enclosure for snails. Um, Cause I was just going to kind of put some like terrestrial snails. Speaking of hit me with your love dart. (laughs) I was going to do that, but it, it, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be lost here in this aquarium hobby. And it's like all of a sudden, what am I going to be doing? Like surrounding myself with like <laughs> mushroom cultivation and invertebrates. Like, is that really what 35 is like? Uh, hey, is this what I'm doing? It's all up in the air these days. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just imagine this becoming like a very moist environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like as your <laughs> paludarium grows and grows and then you're a part of the paludarium. <laughs> All of a sudden I'm spraying foam to make a water feature for myself. Yes. Yeah. 
So um, that's kind of my report, really. These vampire crabs exist. Uh, I think, Meredith, you'd be very moved by some of these sort of terrarium enclosures. I think that I could see you becoming interested in, like, making them for plants. But I could also see you not loving the process so much because it's completely out of control. I could, yeah. Like, there's so many cans of spray (laughs) foam and, like, substrate materials and, like, egg crates and filtering media it's just like of course i can't just go basic i have to like you know oh of course it's like me when i cook it can't be just like make a quesadilla on the george foreman no it's like you gotta make the tortillas you gotta make the salsa and you're gonna cook that thing up in like a real cast iron skillet nothing's easy yeah it's never easy it's never easy. The hell is wrong with us? Well, but you know what is easy is the <laughs> temperament of a common vampire crab. They pretty well habitate with others. They like to live in sort of a colonial setting. Okay. And they tend to get along with other species. Although, you know, you got to be careful. It's like, will this creature fit inside the mouth of this creature? If no, right. then okay. <laughs> I mean, some of these guys, they look pretty uh, angry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just kind of their crab demeanor. I think they have like resting crab face, you know? They definitely do. I think these in particular, there's like something about the way the eyes are placed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which color big- morph are you looking at? Because they come in a variety of color morphs. Is this the one with like the kind of bright eyes, like the bright yellowy orange eyes? Yeah. So I'm looking at this one um, and... So I'm seeing one that's kind of got like orange pincers and kind of an orange back. But then there's this other really cool one that's got like purple pincers. Yeah. Yeah. They the come purple's in a really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty cool. <gasps> out of stock. Vampire crab. Out of stock. But this guy, I don't know. Told you. Yeah. 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 That's kind of like <laughs> the iconic. He's got his mouth open. He's like. Nah! But why are they called vampire crabs? Uh, you know, because they like need to sell them in the aquarium trade, and that's a fun name. Uh, yeah. What I will say, my actually my first thought when I saw these purple ones is they're kind of the same coloring as the Count mm-hmm. from Sesame Street. It's a, like purple and black motif. So it kind of <laughs> like immediately I thought about the Count. Yeah. Well, I mean, so maybe that's that. That makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised. These crabs love Sesame Street. Hmm. <laughs> As do I. Well, that's so fun, Mike. This is like I'm very excited for you. I Thanks. have no idea. This is what you're you've been toiling away with. Yeah, I just was like, I'm doing it, and I got an aquarium, and I started getting supplies, and I started building it, and then I completely took the whole thing apart, and then I, you know, ordered more materials, and now I'm building it again, and <laughs> I got all this moss from Etsy. I have like too much moss right now. <laughs> too much moss. I know it's a real problem. What a problem! I know, <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm I'm working through it, and you know we're just gonna kind of surround. I guess I'm gonna surround myself with as many living things as I can. I'm here for that on my terms. I might make like a wa- moss waterfall wall thing. I'm like toying with that idea. Whoa! Yeah, I know. Whoa! I know. <laughs> I'm like watching videos about how to do it. Have you subscribed to any like aquatic life? Uh, periodicals? No, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That's phase two. No, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm mostly consuming like my aquarium instructional content on YouTube. Gotcha. It's like everything else. You can just watch some YouTube videos and learn how to do it. And right. 
That's fair enough. The truth. Fair enough. Do you have any crab questions, queries, concerns, complaints? How much do these guys run a person? Not to like I, put your finances on blast. Yeah. No, I mean, they're like <laughs> $20 each, oh, $25 okay. each. I was finding them. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's better than I expected. For some reason, I was thinking they were going to be like hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. No. It's simultaneously both like depressing and reassuring how inexpensive aquatic creatures, some aquatic creatures are. Right. I went out to this fish store out in Flushing and I was blown away by both the low Flushing fishes. Flushing fishes. (laughs) (laughs) What a bad name for a fish store. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I was both like, (laughs) some of the stuff was really inexpensive and some of the stuff was really expensive, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. Wow. This is so exciting. You're going to have to keep us updated. Maybe just a segment is just going to be Mike's paludarium corner. Paludarium update. Well, once I get it all going, cause I have to, um, (laughs) I mean like I, I had to like go through this whole process with the spray foam and now I've put in the spray foam for like the fourth time. And I think after this, I can like I can shave it down a little bit and shape it and get the rocks in place. Like, I think I'm ready to like not take any more steps back. Like, I'm ready to like go from this point all the way forward and like make it work. You know, I see. Yeah. Because I've learned a lot and I'm still learning and I have to accept that this isn't going to look super amazing, you know, but I think it's going to be really good for a first shot, you know, and whether or not I do actually introduce the crabs into this is, I guess, a different question. But I'm going to introduce some springtails and some isopods first and just get it bioactive and then like you know, see how things like stabilize before I start introducing. Sure. More complex invertebrates or larger invertebrates, right. I should say. I mean, this is like full on ecosystem building. So you gotta like yeah. you gotta take your time. It's gotta be careful. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta get all these and like you're literally ordering insects off of, you know, Etsy <laughs> and eBay. So it's a whole new world. Yeah. Oh 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 Meredith, I think I think I see a love dart flying at me. <gasps> Let's get out of here. Get out. Over here! Look what I found! What is it, Pietra? Oh, what a treasure trove! Look how it sparkles! Look how it glistens! I've never seen such a trash heap! How did we get so lucky? There's bottle cups! And foil scraps! Oh, and look at all these shiny glass shards! And here are some old rifle shells! Quick! Let's load all of this onto our cart so we can sell it to the Bowerbirds before they realize they can get it for free. Squawk! 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 Oh, hello, Mr. Bowerbird. I was just thinking about you. Oh, yes, Mr. Bowerbird. Today must be your lucky day because you have just happened upon... Petey and Petra. The, the Platypus Peddlers for Plush Passerine Pads. We have everything a sparrow-shaped bird like you could ever need. Or want, and for bargain prices. No lady bower bird could pass up the opportunity to come inside your bower if you have this beautiful pen cap. Or this colorful candy wrapper. Adorning your doorway. Or perhaps your style is more seaside chic. In which case, may we interest you in... These old shells! Or this rusty coin! Ah! 
So, what will it be? be? Whack! Some birds just got no taste! And no culture. Good luck finding a mate, you philistine! Pets, I wish you had also 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 met. Also I wish you had also met. Well, we're back. Yes. With another exciting edition of Pets I Wish You Had Also Met with... A special guest. This is Brandon Ivy. This is my boyfriend. Uh, oh, hello. Welcome to the Dalvation Station, Brandon. Oh, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Oh, you've got a great voice for the mic. I got the radio voice. You, know? you sure do. <laughs> oh, you need to come on more often. So... Brandon met dog gentleman, deep friend of the pod, former guest, Tyson. Uh, Tyson. Yes, legend. And is here to give us a testimonial about Tyson and to just share his Tyson experience mm-hmm. and to answer any, you know, Tyson questions that you may have, Meredith. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, Brandon, can you describe the conditions under which you met Tyson? <laughs> um, I met <laughs> Tyson on a vacation in New Jersey. We were in uh, Tom, Tom's River. Is that river? I don't know. Wherever. We, we were, were by the water. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mike's friend Paul hang out with us. Like at the beach? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there was a little like, I don't know, like trash beach or whatever outside of the back of the house. But uh, Yeah, it was kind of like a marina. It was like an Airbnb in the middle of a bunch of boats that were out of the water. Oh, okay. But the inside was cute, you know. Yeah, it was fine. Good on. job. <laughs> so Paul and Tyson came to visit y'all. Yes, with Lauren, uh, Paul's Paul's wife, Tyson's mom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so fun. Did you feel, Brandon, like Tyson lived up to the expectations? I know I've like really talked him up. The expectation of a distinguished dog gentleman. Yeah, he definitely lived up to that expectation. He was very, he's very calm. He's very relaxed. He was, he was somewhat yes. reserved pensive even yeah but within the first like 10 minutes of getting there i sat on the couch and he like come and came and hopped up on the couch and laid next to me it was very chill i love it i love a chill dog those are the best it was a, it was a pleasure and i got to photograph him as well <laughs> oh i saw some of those those were beautiful you, uh stubborn how was tyson as a model <laughs> <laughs> Like, at first he came, uh, uh, Lauren walked him over, and he just sat completely backwards, like, just back to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to, like, spin the carpet around to get him to face the right way. Oh, uh, little coy boy. Yeah. yeah. I think he wanted to do it right, but wasn't sure how to. Yeah. He has high standards for himself. Well, Brandon, was there anything about Tyson that caught you off guard or anything surprising that you were surprised by? Um... You know, the thing that kind of struck me about Tyson is that I don't I haven't spent as much time around like old dogs. Mm. That know? is an old dog. So you could kind of see him like slowly realize what's happening or is kind of like not wanting to like get up to go for a walk. Yeah. Sort of attitude. But then, you know, he'll get up and make his way. Yeah. Paul had to full on like put his shoes on, put his jacket on, get the leash, go over and clip it on Tyson. And then Tyson just stood up immediately. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, until you are 100% ready, I'm not moving. And right, I will expend right. absolutely zero energy before the actual standing up process. Like, I'm just going to kind of keep an eye on you and be like, okay, well, mm-hmm. 
I have like another 30 seconds to do I, that. I, that's how I um, get up in the morning. <laughs> Last possible moment. Well, that sounds so lovely, and I'm so glad you got to meet him, Brandon. And I'm so glad I got to meet you, Brandon. <laughs> me too. This is a, a great moment. And this is It's kind of shocking to me that this is like the moment that we're actually like speaking for the first time. I yeah, feel like, I know. What a strange time. <laughs> like I almost would have assumed that we had spoke. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what better reason to do it than over distinguished dog gentleman Tyson? Totally. This is also just, you know, people from Ohio. Yeah. I mean, like, we all took this. <gasps> yeah. We all oh, yeah. took the proficiency tests, you know. Oh, so gross. We Don't have the same me. standard of uh, cognitive functioning, I guess. <laughs> our, core, our core education. Great Serpent Mound, what's up? <laughs> Let's hear it for glaciers. Woo. Woo. Hope well, hope well Native Americans. Woo. All right. Well, great. Should I um, throw in an animal here or do... Well, if you'd like. Uh, The only problem is I really cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of this pet. (laughs) It wasn't a pet of mine. It was like our... um, So we have neighbors where I grew up, kind of like their backyard was more of like their side yard and it was really big and it was fenced in. Um, They're kind of like behind us. So their like side yard was like the further part of my backyard, if that makes any sense. Mm. But they had this dog when I was growing up, and I think its name was Buffy, but I really don't know. I forget. But it was this black chow, and um, the dog seemed, like, super vicious, but then you would just, like, go up, and it would just be barking all the time, and then you'd go up, and it would just be, like, the sweetest dog. And what I remember so much is that any time we had any sort of, like, meat scraps or anything, like, leftover meats of any sort or just like a thing of soup or something i remember my dad taking like like a steak out to the backyard and just throwing it to this dog whose name i think was buffy um and just she just grabbed it and like down in one gulp like this dog was literally like our garbage disposal whoa (laughs) so yeah that's a pet i wish you had also met Pets I wish you had also met. 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 Pets I wish you had met. Also met. Yes. Pets. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who. Texana me. Kingdom. And Amelia, it's the reason you are here. Phylum. Chordata. Spinal cords are red. Class. Mammalia. Boobs, milks, hair, live young. Order. Ardeodactyla, raise up your hoofs to the roof. Family. Bovie day, this ain't your mother's bovine. Genus. Saiga, it's a sci-fi antelope. Species. Saiga tatarica. Take a closer look at that snout. It's the Saiga antelope. Okay, so I had no idea what this was. <laughs> this is very new to me. Uh-huh. So before we do anything, I need everybody to find some way to look up like Google images. Go to your Google, do a Google image search for the Saiga because you just need this visual first and foremost. S-A-I-G-A, Saiga. So we'll pause. Okay, let me just type it out. S-A-I-G-A. Oh, it's like a snuffleupagus. It's like a a little little bit. demi snuffleupagus. 
Yes, they've got these funny noses. So it is an antelope. So it's almost like you can picture like um, an antelope that you would see at the zoo or that you can remember like from the Lion King or whatever your image happens to be of an antelope. So just take that and kind of imagine their nose is made of like Play-Doh and you can kind of just pull it down a little bit. <laughs> so you've kind of got this like protrusion with the nostrils pointing down. He's kind of going like, Ooh, <laughs> my nose here. Yes, it's so cute. Take a closer look at that snout. It's a Saga antelope. So I actually got this idea from just like my YouTube feed. Of course, it was like an episode of Animal Logic. And it had this picture. And I was like, what the hell is that? And so thank you, Animal Logic. Um, I will warn listeners that if you go do listen or go do view this video it's a little disturbing at moments or some like really upsetting images that i was not prepared for having to do with the saiga and their plight but sure we'll get to that anyway so just proceed with caution with that animal logic video though it is fantastic as they always are okay so quick tax facts tax facts order artiodactyla you know one of the animal fan club favorite orders so these are even-toed ungulates remember they bear weight evenly on two of their five toes they're just up on their tippy toes they're on point on point family bovidae um so bovidae cloven hooved ruminant vertebrates so this is where they so meaning they get their nutrients by fermenting plant material kind of in their like pre-stomach they're like anteroom stomach. I love an anteroom stomach. Yes. <laughs> so other animals that are also kind of these ruminating, um, ruminant vertebrates. I guess I shouldn't say ruminating, but they are probably very thoughtful as well. But well, they. I mean, that's literally <laughs> that's the verb, what it is right? Yeah. To ruminate. They are ruminating. We know that they're chewing their cud. They may also be weighing heavily some sort of. You know, quandary. mental or physical or spiritual quandary. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> ruminating while ruminating. So other Bovidae all-stars, of course, include like buffalo, sheep, goats, and cows. Okay. So the genus of Saiga. So it's the sole member of the genus is the species, which is Saiga tatarica. That is the species. And there's only one of them in the genus. But there are two subspecies. So the Saiga tatarica tatarica and the Saiga tatarica mongolica. So the former that inhabits kind of this very tiny region in Russia, which borders Kazakhstan and a little bit into the Uzbekistani region when they migrate in the winter. And then the latter sure, one naturally. is going to be in Mongolia. Uh-huh. I mean, it says it in the name. It's right there in case you forget. So. We're just going to start off this by saying this is a very endangered species, what they would call critically endangered. They're only in these like two tiny regions, but they used to be like extremely widespread. So particularly during the Pleistocene era. So they would have been they would have been all across the Eurasian steppe. So modern day Europe and Asia, kind of that grassy, deserty region, but also into the Beringian or Beringian, so like the Bering Strait, so Beringian, North America, and the British Isles. So they were super widespread um, compared to where they are now. Um, 
So quickly, we'll just discuss their characteristics. So what do they look like? So hopefully you've looked at a picture. Adorable. They look adorable. They do look adorable. So they're kind of of average antelope size. Um, So they stand about two to three feet from kind of hoof to shoulder. Um, A little over five feet long. Weigh about 152 pounds. But this is the best part. So they have a pair of closely spaced bloated nostrils. That are directed downward. Um, and this actually helps them filter out the dust that occurs during the summer months and also will warm the cold air that they're breathing in during the winter months. Because this is some pretty harsh terrain. It can get really hot in the summers and really, really cold Yeah, in the winters. Yeah. Again, on this Animal Logic video, it was so funny. Like the words they used to describe the nose were gelatinous and bloated. And these things will like literally wiggle like they wiggle as they walk. It's like this constant like vibrating thing attached to their face. It just kind of it's kind of like sack like, you know, I'm just going to say it. It just kind of wiggles around as they wiggle around. That's a little gross. Yeah. So listen to this, though. So during the rutting season, so the mating season, when it comes to hoofed creatures, um, the nose actually like swells gets bigger like it engorges okay (laughs) naturally and it makes like this super squishy sound when it shakes also what's kind of like it's included on the animal logic video it's like gross yeah i kept i was just like blushing and giggling to myself about it um and actually females are indeed attractor to the attracted to the bigger squishier noses who doesn't like a squishy nose um I don't know that I've ever thought that I did, but maybe somewhere deep down inside my DNA that I am coded for that. You know, Meredith, it's they always say that it's uh, not the size of the nose, but how it squishes. That old chestnut. <laughs> um, gross. Gross. <laughs> That's yes, really gross. exactly. And so also related to kind of the changing of the season, their coats too will change to match their surroundings. So in the summer months, they're going to be more of that kind of tan, sandy color. And then they get more fluffy and white uh-huh. in the winter uh-huh. uh, to camouflage uh-huh. with the snow. And then finally, um, the males, I believe, have these crazy horns that look like, again, like something kind of out of like a sci-fi thing. They're kind of like these pointy horns that kind of go straight up, but they've got these like rings kind of, stacked all the way up the top so it just looks like something completely like extraterrestrial to me weird they're super weird and i really had no idea about the existence of these guys um okay so let's talk a little bit about their populations and kind of how we got to the point of their critical endangerment okay so this is a species that is has experienced massive population fluctuations um and i will tell you that story now so they were nearly hunted to extinction around like the 1920s so their population literally went from millions to hundreds um at which point they were interestingly enough protected uh within the ussr but following the fall of the uh ussr um kind of a lot of those restrictions were kind of lifted or went by the wayside um And so their numbers, which had gone back up under these protections, started to go back down. One of the main reasons being that 
they were kind of pointed at as an alternative to hunting rhino. So saying like their horns were kind of a suitable, cheaper alternative um, to rhino horns in traditional Chinese medicine. So or it's like kind of a suitable substitute for rhino horn. Sure. If you can't get a rhino horn. Get a saiga horn, obviously. Um, so this actually led to the males being targeted their horns and the population imbalance would obviously create again another huge crash um and also they're hunted for their meat as well which is supposedly is said to be very similar to lamb i mean cool um i mean i'm sure it tastes delicious i'm just gonna say it i mean bovines often do we've eaten them historically for millennia for a reason yeah yeah we've eaten undulates like mainly yeah ungulate into my belly <laughs> um okay so in addition to kind of this overhunting, um climate change too has introduced a lot of new pathogens that because their genetic pool amongst the few saiga that are left their genetic pool is so limited that they're just genetically not very well equipped they're not very hardy as a species so these kind of newly introduced pathogens um, resulting from climate change will just take them out like so easily um, to the point that the population has decreased by 95% in the last 15 years. That's a staggering decline. That is a staggering decline. Yeah. And so populations, um, their areas just keep getting smaller and smaller because of actually like physical man-made borders that really hinder their natural um migrations Mm -hmm. kind of across what was the Eurasian step. Um, But luckily they do have a survival strategy, which is high reproductive rates. So triplets and twins are actually pretty common when babies are born. Um, And if you wanted to go see a saiga in the zoo, uh, you would have to go either to Moscow or the Ukraine because there's only two zoos in the world that have saigas. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the extent of my saga stuff. Do you have any saga questions? I guess I'm just like, maybe I'm curious what else is unique to the Ukraine zoo, but I guess. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, me too. I bet they have Desmond. You know, I wonder what the Desmond <laughs> population is like in Moscow, too. They all, they have a whole manor for Desmond. Desmond Manor. Oh, that sounds like a cute show for that. <laughs> well, I guess in that case. Oh, Mike, look out. There's another love dart coming oh, your way. Oh, another love dart. I got a duck. This Wednesday at 10 on AMTV, Animal Music Television. This is the true story. True story. Of seven strange animals. Picked to live in a barn. And have their lives taped find out what happens when animals stop being symbiotic who ate my hay it start getting real the real barn rural san antonio (sighs) (sighs) Mm. what do we have today i just smell substrate and uh paludarium Paludarium foam and yeah, <laughs> the parts of my nose where there used to be scent receptors and now there's just silicone sealant. 
careful with that, Mike. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Me neither. <laughs> well, regardless, here we are in the feedback. Feedback. So, let's start it off with Regina from Tacoma, who would like to know if you could have any animal as your sidekick, like kind of like Disney movie style, what animal would it be? Do you want to try and guess each other's? Sure. I think you're going to say pigeon. I wasn't, actually. Oh. But. Because um, I'm definitely going to say wolf. Not far off. <laughs> I knew that's what I was going to guess. You know, I, I actually did think pigeon, and I think that would be, like, really good, especially kind of, like, in a Disney context. It could be super cute. But actually, I mine was kind of more of a restore, like, to restore the reputation of, like, the raven or the crow. Because in Sleeping Beauty, the crow is like such a henchman and it like kind of participates in um, furthering along the like more nefarious side of that plot. But like I have actually, you know, through my animal research have really grown to like respect the shit out of like ravens and crows because of how smart they are and they're so playful and like very deliberate in their actions and just very, very complex creatures that I think they would make such a fascinating sidekick. So, I mean, I think it's interesting that you're really basing your entire decision around like a PR campaign. You know, no, it's I mean? not just like, that. You're it's... doing like an image rehabilitation of a species, <laughs> I guess. It's and my that. answer is considerably more selfish. It's just like in a Disney context, like what's my character? And like clearly, I have like an, a wolf as a sidekick. I guess. I see it. I see it. I do. But I like what you're saying. A sort of like. You're saying that maybe in the Disney cinematic universe, if you will, that uh, your sort of ingenue type would not commonly be paired with like a stark raven no. bird. No. And so maybe there would that would create some sort of like juxtaposition and some sort of like tension between like your sundresses and the black plumage. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. But it would be, we would be a fierce duo, I will say. Yeah, sort of Beauty and the Beast sort of vibe. Sure. Okay, well, um, I mean, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. Well, now to Stefan from Calabasas, who asks, do bees ever get collagen injections? <laughs> I mean, if they do, I don't know about it. Why would they want to do that? I don't think that they do, Stefan, but if they, I mean regardless you should buzz off and not concern yourself with the cosmetic surgery of anyone other than yourself you know like if yes if the bees get injections if they get a little filler like that's between them and their dermatologist right right and they're like bee friends that they're like super excited to tell about it yeah but yeah i totally agree mike i don't i think everybody's on their own journey if someone wants to get that little like bobo little collagen injection like go for it i'm not here to judge yeah i just i just feel like stefan you really need to meet this moment and this is a moment where people are asking a lot of medically invasive questions of one another it's so true yes are you vaccinated which vaccine did you get why were you allowed to get the vaccine what did you qualify stefan the health and wellness of bees that like the the, the right. medical decisions of right. bees is not your concern. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, Mike, not to go off on a tirade, but I really do think like 
People need to slow the freaking roll with asking about vaccines because it's like, this is private. I had a whole long conversation with a good friend about this, how I just don't think it's appropriate to be asking each other about this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... Close friends is one thing, but... Close yeah. friends is one thing, but the way that it's happening on social media, I take umbrage with people exactly. posting about. I got this. It's it's further of my thing lately, Meredith. One thing, the things I've been meditating on is the people's interest in in brand over content. Oh yeah, you know, of it's course. like an alignment with. Well, I'm in this camp or this. I'm part of this group. It's just like a way to pledge allegiance and to divine identity from you know the constellation of things that you align yourself with exactly yep including your covid vaccine (laughs) what right well anyway so i think yeah yeah stefan buzz off (laughs) ding 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 buzz 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 bitch okay gosh excuse me i don't know where that came from all right so final question from pewter from Coney Island, who is asking, would you be interested in a live action Charmin Bear commercial? <laughs> cool it with the Charmin Bears, everyone. But actually, yeah, oh. I think, you know what? Bring it on. Yeah. Show me those bears shaking their butts. Show me that real bear butt with like pieces of toilet paper stuck to it. You know, I wanted to say I'm that- here for it. Were you to rate them, you know, like PG-13, R, NC-17 or whatever, like which rating scale would I want to see? And honestly, I think I would actually be interested in a live action Charmin Bear commercial of any yeah. rating, you know, yeah. from from general audience to restricted and beyond. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's going to be an exciting summer at Coney Island, y'all. Yes. I think I think Piotr is putting together a new act. <gasps> Oh, maybe I'll have to get down there and check it out, Pointer. All right. Well, I guess we're in agreement on this one. Full agreement. I mean, yes. And I would just like a couple of press passes and a few drink tickets. Naturally. Yes. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. That was an effortless feedback today, wasn't it? Yeah. I, those <laughs> questions really just answered themselves. Sure well... In that case, we've reached the end. The barn doors are closing, and we're so happy you joined us. Yeah. Thank you, Meredith. This was really fun. Yes, you as well. My great luck um, with the palladium. Paludarium. Paludarium. (laughs) P-A-L-U-darium. Paludarium. Got it. Yeah. They're really fun. I should send you this. um, I'll just say, say his name on this. Uh, on this show but the YouTube channel is Serpa Designs S-E-R-P-A D-E-S-I-G-N-S Serpa Designs okay Serpa what's up Serpa Squad it's Tanner (laughs) is the gentleman's name and he does a great job I mean he builds these things for a living he says and uh he has a bit of a zen approach which is nice he talks about you know just making a sandbox and just playing and (laughs) Uh, uh, arts background as well. He, he provides comprehensive tutorials. I've learned a lot about process from that. Right on. Well, Tanner, keep up the good work. And you too, Mike. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. It's not going to be as nice as his because I don't have as much experience as he does, but 
I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm gonna go cut into some foam right now. Oh. Just gotta swatch, swap out a razor blade. Oh, great. Woo. That's a crazy Tuesday night. Well, in that case. Bye. Bye. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.